Coming down in three, two, one. I am the Canadian football expert here. I don't take any responsibility for the black cats. The John Hedlund Soccer Empire. Did you see the motorcycle with the buffalo head on it? That was genius. Competitive pig wrestling. From the Radio 1 perch high atop Dak Q Stadium, welcome on, welcome all into episode number 23 of GMG Cast. I am uh, one of your co-hosts of this little podcast, Zach Babb, joined alongside Hank Dickinson. And uh, Hank, you know, as we sit here atop DATQ, football is now behind us. The 2023 season has concluded. That means by association, we are now about a third of the way into basketball season, maybe a little less than that. And so um, I feel like a broken record, but it, it just all moves so fast every year. And, you know, at the when we get into our babbling with Hank segment, we'll, we'll talk a little basketball, but... Uh, can't believe as we sit here and record this on Thursday, December 7th, that 2023 is three weeks away from being done. Yeah, but you know what hasn't changed? We're still basking in the glory of being world champions thanks well, to the Texas Rangers. You're basking in the glory. Oh, that's right. You're a Houston guy. I'm yeah. so sorry. Yeah, you're going to have a tough time hearing from our guest today. I might because no, – it's going to be a little hard for you, it's but fine. you're going to enjoy it because we're going to, we're going to get great perspective on yeah. being a world champion today. Oh, yeah. 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 So, yeah. So, why not bring in our guest now? <laughs> uh, he's a Denton guy through and through. Um, grew up here in Denton, went to Ryan High School, was on the equipment staff here at the University of North Texas, and is now on the equipment staff with the world champion Texas Rangers Joel Abrego, thank you, Joel, for joining us here for a little bit uh, today here on GMG Cast. Appreciate it. Hey, thank you, man. I appreciate you guys uh, inviting me out and having me on here. But yeah, um, of course, this podcast is always brought to you by uh, Coors Light and powered by Learfield. Uh, hit that like and subscribe button if you have not already. But uh, I mean, before we get into your background and, and where you came from and the, the ladder you climbed to get to the Rangers... That just had to be a blast. I mean, you have a front row seat to the not only a World Series championship, which is just absolutely crazy in and of itself just to say that, but the first one for a franchise that has existed for what? North of are they north of 50 years? Yes. Yeah. And have never won one to be in a front row seat for a first time World Series champion. That had to be incredible. Yeah, no, it was just completely surreal the entire time. You know, I didn't know if I wanted to uh, or if I enjoyed it more as a fan or as an employee. You know, growing up, I was always a Rangers fan. You know, I was there to watch the the first World Series, lost second World Series, lost too. And you know, we were always heartbroken. You know, now so it's a uh, year two, and as the season went on, we just took it day by day, just another day of work. You know, you clock in, you do your thing. Uh, and the next you know, you're in wild card, and then you're in first round of playoffs, second round, and then, you know, it's just nonstop work. But, I mean, it's like whenever that final game ended, you know, it's kind of like there's part of you that's saying, what now? But then there's the other sense that's like we've put in all this hard work, and I've watched this team grind all season, and then now they've won the top game, you know, the, the game that we were fighting for, working for all year. You know, there's so it was such a roller coaster, you know, so many emotions going on, but Whenever that first pitch went through, that was just... I remember that exact moment. I probably will never forget it ever. 
Boy, I would hope not, because you are witness to something that so many people dream about, and to be that close to the fire. A couple weeks ago, um, Dave Raymond was a guest lecturer at the sports broadcast class that I have coordinated for quite some time, and Dave, uh, who I hope you've gotten to know, but Dave's a great guy, very funny. But I asked him, I said, you know, from a broadcast perspective, you're with this team all season, and then you get to the playoffs, and as a TV guy, you're out. Mm -hmm. National TV comes in. Radio, like Eric Nadell, God bless him, got to announce and be a part of it. But Dave said, you know, it was almost like being in a relationship and you think everything's going great. Then all of a sudden she just shuts the door on you and you don't know why. He said it just the playoffs really stunk for him. And I thought, that's interesting. Here's a broadcaster who was a part of it all season long and didn't get to be right there when it happened. And here's Joel who worked all season as a manager and you were a every bit a part of every minute of it so I hope you do appreciate it no yeah it was just literally a blessing you know like as the season goes through you know there's so many times where I have a you know when my first season especially you know last year uh they always tell you you're gonna have your first big league moment whenever you get here whenever you get this job and my first big league moment was working uh I was visiting bat boy it was maybe second game of the season something like that sometime early uh we had the angels in town I'm bat boy I'm in here I have anxiety I'm nervous you know I don't want to mess up out there I want to do everything right and then uh, get a little tap on the shoulder, you know, say, excuse me, bro. And I look over, it's Mike Trout. And he just, you know, says, excuse me, he goes up the stairs, and I'm just watching him, and I can see the big stadium lights just over him, and he's just this wide back, you know, this jersey is snug on him, he's got his bat behind him, he's doing his twist, and I'm like, man, this is, this is the top, like, you know, like, what am I doing here? Like, you know, it's, it's, it's just all surreal the entire time, so, you know, it's literally just a blessing, and I was just happy to be there for the ride. Let's wind the clock back, though, to um, you know uh, the the journey you were on to get to that point that started here in Denton, Texas. I mean, did you you spend your entire childhood here in Denton? I know you went to Ryan High School by the time you were in your high school years, but where was it Denton? Was it elsewhere? You got to Denton? Let me know. Yeah, no. Whenever I was younger, we lived in the Carrollton Farmers Branch area, so we moved up here when I was about six or seven. But I mean, literally since then, I've been in the Little Elm area, Denton area. You know, going to uh, Naval Middle School, Denton Ryan High School. Um, and then to North Texas, but I was literally DISD since third grade. Did you play any sports growing up? Uh, so the reason I'm the manager is because I wasn't that good at the sports. So you know, the reason is, I'm in radio is I wasn't that good at the yeah, sports. We all got this in common. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. We get we get the gear. You know, we get some benefits. Don't, so, don't I mean, be fooled by my that. boys. They got those jeans from their mother. So. Oh yeah, no, without a doubt. <laughs> but so, but yeah, so when you get to Ryan High School, though, because you were a part of, you know, speaking of people like me and Hank who well we can't play the game so let's get as close as to the game as we can you were part of what they call it code red yeah it was the student section uh, we called it code red it's funny because it didn't really have a name until we kind of uh we kind of started it initially um you know it was literally I was a sophomore um I was always just high energy you know I've always been a fan of sports I love the idea of sports and there's so much that goes on behind it and so much drive and compassion you know so I can't not be around it you know even as a fan so when I was in high school the older kids they uh they knew that I was high energy and they're like hey we need you to kind of bump it up and so that's when every kind of it was funny because you know we did start getting a little more official and a little more uh oriented and we were very organized with what we did but you know we were literally just bring all the kids out you know to have a big student section you know cheer on our team travel uh do whatever we can to really show out for the guys yeah and you had some good years Ryan was enjoying some really excellent moments uh Certainly in football, but also on the hardwoods. Yeah, yeah, no, so we were always there for them, you know, especially basketball. You know, I had my buddy Connor Stafford. He was on the varsity team, and so 
we'd always make sure to show up early, go cheer all them on. And we're there for warm-ups, we're there afterwards, we're say to, saying hi to coaches, you know, staff was there. So just being around being around the game, around the sports is just really what, uh, what got me happy. Okay, so how do you suddenly get to North Texas and say, I want to be integral to what's going on with football and – I want to be in the the manager group because there's only so many kids get that opportunity. Yes, yeah. So I definitely I had no idea about uh, managing, you know, equipment manager uh, kind of jobs when I was in high school. Once I got to college, uh, Jackson Weatherford, the one that he's also uh, Denton born and raised. He went to Denton Guyer. He went to North Texas, and then now he's uh, with the Rangers as well. Um, he uh, he actually got me the position initially. Once he found out that I was going to North Texas, you know, he hit me up and he's like, hey. I'm doing this with the team, you know, we, we come here, we take care of the footballs, we issue out helmets, shoulder pads, uh, you get to travel, you get to uh, eat with the team, you know, you're pretty much part of the team, you're just taking care of the gear, and so, you know, he's like, if you want to come join me, you know, we need some guys, so he hit me up, uh, got to know a couple of those guys, and um, yeah, you know, we all, we've all gone our separate ways, separate ways, but you know, it's cool to uh, to see others succeed, and we got JT Elkin with the, with the Dallas Mavericks doing awesome. Uh, so it's just it was a tight bond, you know. We built up really early. So, what years were you with North Texas? From 2016 to 2020. Okay, so there were some pretty good football years in there too. I yes. Mean, you saw the 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 first year after one and eleven, which got us to the heart of Dallas Bowl and a really good game against Army. That unfortunately the Mean Green couldn't come out on top as or on top in. Um, Nine win seasons in 17 and 18. You got to see the drive. You got to see Peter Pan firsthand. I mean, just just kind of talk about, you know, working with with, with those guys. And, you know, you're right next to Mason Fine and Jalen Guyton and all these dudes who were from a really good era of Mean Green football. Just talk about that experience of, of being around those teams. So it's funny because once postseason hit for the Rangers and they were uh, getting hot, you know, there was such a good vibe and good mentality around the entire clubhouse, around the whole stadium. And it literally reminded me of college. Like whenever we had Mason Fine, Coach Latrell, all that other staff, we just had such a really good energy. You know, we were all clicking. We all respected each other. Um, so it was just a, it was a good bond that entire time, you know, so I do really miss it. But uh, you just you really can't beat that kind of a uh, team chemistry. It translates from everything from you know from us interacting to players to coaches to what's going out on the field. You know if they're succeeding, we're all succeeding. Let you brag a little bit on someone who I think does a wonderful job, and fans have come to understand that his role uh, really spills over into a lot of different things. But Mike Villa is excellent at his job as equipment manager. His assistant Justin Valentine really really good. Those two set the stage for. A really good workforce. All the kids that work underneath them, they carry themselves with respect. They understand what's going on. And uh, what did you learn from those guys? Literally that, man. You know, they told us a lot of it was staying humble. You know, we're here, you know, in all honesty, you know, the job, you know, it's got its upsides, but there are some downsides. You know, there's long hours. You know, we're doing stuff that guys don't want to be doing, you know. So there are days where you kind of question it. A lot of laundry. A lot of laundry. That's the thing is that, you know, Wash a lot of underwear, and then you finally one day you win the World Series. So it's like, you know, I'll take that. I'll yeah. take that. I've uh, washed a lot of it too, and I've never gotten that ring. So, yeah, so yeah. you know, I'm just happy for that. Yeah, um, yeah. No, they were they were great, man. You know, I still. It's funny they still check up on me. They still, you know, literally all of us, all that entire staff, and they're always seeing how we're doing, and they love to see us happy and successful. I literally, I talked to him on the way in today. I didn't get to catch him, but uh, you know, I said what's up to him. Said we're coming up here. Uh, him and Justin, you know, they've 
trained us to be hard workers, you know, no matter what's going on. You know, we've been through the elements. We've been through, um, you know, literally we didn't have an indoor stadium back in those days or the, the indoor facility. So we were out here struggling, doing all this kind of stuff that nobody wants to be doing. And we're out here drenched in the rain or like, you know, sick, coughing. And it's like, you don't really think of it at the moment, but that's you, that's them training, you know, that's the grind, you know, that's adult life. You know, you find a job, you know, you don't always have the free time or the off time, but I mean, you know, at the end of the day, those hours you put in are going to, are going to translate to something. So then from North Texas to the Rangers, there's a pit stop in between though. Um, in the XFL, I understand. Uh, yes, with, sir. The, with the, I guess, were they the Dallas Renegades? I know they're the Arlington Renegades now. What were they at the time? So that was after the first rebrand, so that was the first year of the Arlington Okay, Renegades. first year of Arlington, the Arlington Renegades. So life in the XFL, what was what was that like? So, I mean, so for one thing, it's in uh, the old ballpark, uh, you know, the old Rangers ballpark. So, you know, first day of work and I'm walking in and it's the same ballpark, it's just a football field. So I'm just taking it all in. I'm like, man, I've been to this ballpark you know dozens of times and gone to games as a fan and now I get to be here working it and then uh I did enjoy XFL I do enjoy I love it you know because it is football you know football is home you know that's where I did my first four years in college I was literally 24-7 football so to go from that to XFL and especially because my coach there was Bob Stoops Bob Stoops you know Oklahoma guy Seth Luttrell guy so they had the exact same schedule exact same flow so that was literally such an easy transition for me to go from that to that. And then, you know, of course, Bob Stoops is also a very humble, very respectful guy. So then to meet him, you know, be starstruck at first, and he just treats me like one of his boys. You know, he takes us out to lunch, you know, gets some burgers and wants to chit-chat with us. So it's just awesome. Just get some burgers with Bob Stoops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> burgers get, with Bob. We get well, some turns around Arlington from that. You know, you talk about the star truck, a starstruck aspect of it, and I think no matter what, when you get started in, in sports – you are a little bit in awe of coaches or athletes, but after a while that does wear off and, and you realize that that has to be put aside if you're going to do your job. Um, so when you're working in the major league ranks, you already mentioned your moment with Trout, but at what point did you realize, hey, you know what, I've kind of gotten used to being around guys like Seager, guys like, I don't know, Alcides. I mean, mm -hmm. at, at what point did that become secondary to you and, and you realized, okay, I've, I've kind of made that jump? It was definitely the second year, you know, the second year I came in with a little less anxiety, you know, a little, you know, more comfortable with where I was um, in the position and with the players, you know, I work on the visiting side, so I see a lot of the guys that come in just to play us for those couple of days and then they take off. So whenever they did come back, I was always worried about, you know, got to re reintroduce myself, you know, these guys meet a lot of people every year, you know, they're not going to remember me, that's perfectly fine, you saw me for only a couple of days, and then, you know, almost every team, they come in, they see me and... I just get, you know, broed up. It's like, oh, what's up, man? Good to see you. How you been? How's the family? And then just do little chit-chat, you know, and it's like, you know, those first couple games, I'm like, man, these guys actually remember, you know, which, I mean, majority of the MLB players, they're always very humble and very nice and down-to-earth anyway, so that's that was very good, in, uh, you know, first year, but then for them to actually remember me and actually care that second year, you know, I was talking to the other guys that I work with, and they're like, yeah, you know, they, they accept you, you know, they understand that if you're in this position to be with them, there's a reason for it. You know, they don't just let anybody come in and get this job. You know, there's such a process to it. You, know, you got to know what you're doing. So to get that kind of respect, that mutual respect, that's definitely where I realized, you know, they're just guys. How how did the Rangers job come about and the, the brief synopsis of it to, to go from North Texas, Arlington Renegades, Texas Rangers? 
So whenever I was a freshman, uh, there was a guy on staff, my now current boss, Mason McKenna. He was part of the equipment staff as well, more of a, just a helper because he was also with the Rangers at the time. Um, so he was doing both of those kind of things. He'd come up here, help us out with our deliveries, help us out with uh, issuing out our gear. And uh, that was his last year here. So he took off. Um, and then once I actually finished up with school, you know, he literally texted me. He's like, hey, like, what are you doing? Like, what do you, what's next for you? And I was like, I don't know, kind of looking. He's like, oh, well, you know, I got a job here. If you want to, if you want to come interview, come see what's up, you know, come see if you like it and all this. And, you know, I went in, of course, you know, I'm starstruck just in the, in the visiting clubhouse for the Rangers, you know, checked out the home clubhouse and I got to uh, interview with those guys and, uh, they trust their interview process because I am, Jackson and I are both the youngest ones in our, our field and, uh, like part of our staff. And so like, we've been there for two three years whereas everybody else has been there for a minimum of 10 and so like you know they've been there for a while so they let us all know like if we hire you you're hired to stay you know we don't always it's not a revolving door we don't bring guys in like that like you know you got to be really in it you really want to grind for it and so you know once I accepted that you know that helped out a lot let's talk about uniforms for a little bit um as broadcasters I know Dave Barnett's got some hot sports opinions on on uniforms but they change a lot now how many different uniforms do the Rangers have? I know they introduced the cityscape this year. Um, and what do the player do? The players have certain likes and dislikes, or what yeah. can you tell us about the uniform choices? Yeah, so there's a there's Sunday blues. There's the city connects for Fridays and Saturdays. There's the white blue hat, white red hat, and then the the grays and the gray blues. Um, and you know everybody's got their pick. You know a lot of the guys they do love the baby blues. The the colors that stand out and you don't get to wear as often, those are definitely treated like a treat whenever you get to come out in those things. And the City Connect, too, everybody loved it. The dark uh, navy pants were the biggest hit because they just look like jeans. So literally all the dudes just love, and they're, they get them tailored so they're very tight, you know, on all the right spots. They're just so excited to come out here in their nice dark pants for once. But are they worried about the names on the back and the numbers being visible at press level? That's, that's our big question. <laughs> Not that I know of, funny enough. <laughs> We deal with it every Saturday. And yeah. you know what? In football, the numbers have gotten increasingly harder for old eyes to see. When you do a black uniform with green numbers, you get up here on a sunny day, and it's like, okay, I can't tell the difference in seven, six, or eight. But, oh, yeah. Uh, but no one cares about us up here, right? No, as long as the team looks good, that's all they that, care about. There yep, you go. That's all right, exactly we got that. It. Yeah, that's, Mark that for Dave. There yeah. you go. Yep, you got to pass that along. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, you mentioned that, too. Like, I know um, – because I'm an Astros fan, I apologize to those of you who are listening. Um, you know, like when during the 2022 World Series run, um, Framber Valdez always enjoyed the, the the alternate blue uniforms with the orange Astros across the front, and so um, they'd wear that every time he was pitching. And so um, it's just interesting to kind of peel back that curtain with you and see, like, okay, here's what guys like to wear and 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 prefer, and like this and that, but. Um, with the run itself, speaking of 2022 for my Astros and 2023 for your Rangers, um, I mean, what a run to have a front row seat to. I mean, did, did you get to travel with them to pretty much every game, or how, how, did, how, did, how did that work? So I do only home games on the visiting side, so I didn't okay. get to travel this year. I'm still young for that. Jackson Weatherford, the, the home side guy, he did get to travel to Arizona with the team, okay. and so that was just an insane experience for him. You know, he's showing us everything, and – like, literally, like, even being around the players, you know, with them and, you know, it's 
you know, it's crazy to think because it's just, it's, you're surrounded by millions of dollars and it's like, mm-hmm. what am I doing here? And then Jackson made that trip and he's in five star hotels with this ridiculous, you know, suite to himself and the bar is nice. And literally all weekend, he's like, what am I doing here? Yeah. Like, why did I, what, literally, what am I doing here? You know, it's just, it's just amazing. How, how were the Astros? I'm just kind of curious as the visiting guy. Um, how, how were, how were, how was my team? I'm going to say they're not my favorite. <laughs> okay, fair I'll enough. I'll give you that much. Fair I'm enough. In there. Uh, I will say one thing uh, that I did appreciate uh, the most from them is that uh, they, uh, you know, team celebrate. That's, mm-hmm. I understand that. You know, I'm here as a professional. I'm on the job. I'm not going to celebrate. I'm not going to show any negativity. You know, I'm just here to do my, do my job, do my work. And uh, when the Astros came in, you know, it was, it things got hot. And so they were in there. They were hot. They were happy. You know, they were enjoying it all. And. I'm there doing my job, just biting my teeth, gritting through it, and you know I'm being professional, eyes down, and I'm making any eye contact. And uh, that getaway day from uh, from Arlington back to Houston, you know they're celebrating, they're getting you know getting drunk in there, you know just doing whatever they want to do. It was <laughs> a awesome. little fun, yeah, yeah, yeah it was awesome. You know, they're having fun, you know, and, and you know I'm sitting there just angry, and so I'm just uh, head down all that. But then as soon as they take off and they clear out. You know, they came up to me and they're like, hey, again, thank you for being professional. Thank you for not being rude to us, for not, you know, just, you know, you know, whenever we're moving stuff around, you know, we're going to be careful with it. There's no reason for us to throw things around. But they've told us that there's been times where, you know, guys don't care and they're just a little lackluster. And so, you know, the fact that they came up to us and they said all that, that was definitely, that was huge. You know, it's just uh, sitting here having known you through the, the Ryan years, to know what you've experienced at North Texas that put you in this position, what what would you tell someone that's now getting ready to go to school that maybe is in the same boat as you? They they want to be around sports, but they're not going to play sports. Um, what did you learn, and 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 what are some of the things that you know coming out the back end of it you really appreciate about North Texas? Uh, so I learned that it is definitely a grind. You know, no matter where you start off, you got to start off somewhere. You know, so we did start off bottom of the totem pole, and I'm not saying we've, you know, moved up exponentially or anything like that, but, I mean, we have grown uh, career-wise. We have grown and built up relationships, and, you know, we hear a lot, uh, even in our field right now, that it's not always about what you know, but it's sometimes about who you know, and it's about how you treat them. And so, you know, it's literally since college we've been growing up humble, you know, respectful to everybody. You know, we're not going to be... You know, there's no reason to be rude ever, you know, and I live that uh, my life every day. You know, I try to take every day, you know, wake up in a good mood and, you know, do what you can. But uh, that's really the main thing is that, you know, being humble and just being respectful towards everybody and, you know, things will work out for you eventually. How's your fantasy team? I get to hear too much about this. Are you Where are you in the standings? Uh, I'm probably in the very bottom. I'm not going to lie to you. Once uh, World Series came around, I was literally too busy to check. And so, you know, I'm pretty sure last week I played uh, some – I played – a team, and I think my team had like four guys on bye week, something like that. So. That's when you know you've lost interest, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know a guy ready to make trades, so if you and I want to barter afterwards. Uh, <laughs> yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. All right. You know the guy, too. Yes, I do. Uh, <laughs> a long way from Code Red, but uh, it's always been fun to watch you, and I know uh, I'd say the same thing about Jackson, just um, kids that get it and then aren't kids anymore. But uh, are you going to will you get a ring? Yeah. How about that? Yeah. Congrats. Congrats. Uh, it, yeah, it's pretty uh, cool. That is pretty freaking cool. Yeah, we're excited for it. You know, it's uh, we got to wait till opening day, of course. You know, we, we don't get that uh, the early treatment or anything like that. Um, we didn't get sized up, so we're just going to get the normal, you know, generic one. But you get a box, you get the ring. You know, it's going to be uh, 
QR coded to you. So if you ever lose it, you know, they can find it and mm. track, track it back to you and all that kind of stuff. So again, just a surreal thing. Be, be fruitful, prosper, and then grandkids will love hearing this tale years oh, from yeah. now. Man, yeah. you know, I've gone, I've seen friends, I've seen family, you know, it's always, hey, congrats, hey, you know, it's awesome, how do you enjoy this? And then it's always, all right, when are you going to get that ring? When are we going to see that ring? <laughs> so, you know, it'll, I'll definitely have to bring it out, you know, for some appearances every once in a while. Awesome. Well, that's Joel Abrego, the former equipment manager for North Texas uh, football, now with the Texas Rangers, and now a world champion. How about that? Yep, first, uh, first world champion we've had in here. I think so. It took us 23 episodes. Yeah, I yeah. know. Oh, Thank well. you. Hey, thank you guys. I really appreciate you having me here. That to-do list you have needs one more thing. Chill. It's an easy thing to do. Just crack open an ice-cold Coors Light and chill. Take the afternoon off and binge watch anything. Go to happy hour and stay for a couple hours. Who's counting anyways? Or hang out with just your dog because you've had enough human interaction this week. Whatever you do, do it with a Coors Light. Mountain cold refreshment made to chill. 2020 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Great conversation with uh, Joel. And, you know, after we, you know, when we, when he walks out of the room and you and I kind of recap it to ourselves before we uh, do our babbling with Hank segment, it's just a, it's, it's a great example of, you know, doing something at North Texas that you can, you can, you can do here and you can take with you to other places Besides just, you know, the education here is great, but there's so much more beyond just that, that opportunities at North Texas present themselves to people. I think over and over, people that work in athletics understand this because it is, like he said, it's a grind. There's a lot more to it than fans really see. They see the game and they understand the game, but they don't always understand it takes so many people to put on a college football game whether it's marketing and promotions or sports information, and then you get down to the trainers and the managers. And now so much of the social media and the marketing part of it has grown to, to bring in video components. And so there's a lot of uh, young people that if they get involved in athletics early can really begin getting an education in things outside of class. And Joel's a, a kid that I've known, you know, again, right there in the same age range as my kids. So I've known him for a while. And, uh, Really fun to watch him get a chance to be a part of not only uh, the Code Red that he talked about at Ryan, but also, you know, be tutored by a guy like Mike Villa. That's an yeah. important thing. Yeah. And then to enjoy Major League Baseball at the level he got to. Um, so for he and Jackson, who we didn't get the chance to visit with, just good examples of things that happen when you get involved in athletics and the things that can happen because people want young people to learn, grow, and achieve those goals. Great conversation with him. But speaking of learning and growing, uh, we're going to change it up a little bit and uh, stop down for a segment we're calling. Babbling with Hank. And uh, Hank, you got to go back up to... Boise, Idaho, this past uh, week for a game with the Broncos of Boise State. And it's it's funny because, you know, we were in a league together with them. I don't know. It, obviously, the older Mean Green fans remember the Big West days, but 
Maybe someone like my age who's in their late 20s or earlier than that maybe don't know that we spent some time in a league on the West Coast of which Boise State was a part of, and you were back up in the capital of Idaho for the first time in 23 years? Yeah, uh, we, we played him in 2009 when Coach Jones was our basketball coach. I didn't make that game because it, it conflicted with football, and so we sent, uh, I believe, Michael Westbrook for that game. But going back into the uh, the late 90s and, and right into 2000, we were in the Big West Conference. So we were competing on a regular basis with teams like Boise, uh, University of Idaho, uh, Nevada, uh, on the basketball side, Cal Poly, Long Beach State, these were league opponents. And so when I explained that on the road to uh, some of the new members of Ross Hodges' staff and certainly the players, they, they could not believe that we used to make this an annual um, trip out there. And Boise, by the way, is an athletic department that people understand now has done a wonderful job. It's really changed, really grown. I know you made a, a trip during the summer that took you through Boise. It, it's a it's a really cool city yeah. in the middle of an awful lot of desert and mountain. But when you get to Boise, it's a great destination, and they've really embraced the Broncos. That football stadium with the blue turf has grown incrementally from the times we were there. I was there. Uh, we George Dunham and I did a game where Jeff Graham uh, kicked a, a walk-off field goal to beat Boise on the blue turf. That's how long ago that was, yeah. and that was a Big West game. That's that's unreal, but um, you know, talk about just the connections that Boise and North Texas have, and, and this can kind of tie into our conversation with with Joel a little bit because of of people you meet and they go on to different places and they can you know put your name in the hat for different jobs here and there. There's a lot with 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 personnel, coaching staff, and otherwise. There's a lot of crossover between the land of the Mean Green and the land of the Broncos. Go into that that detail just a little bit. Well, well it was a quick trip. Uh, a lot of these trips this time of year are because, you know, we haven't – at the time we record this, we've not gotten to finals yet. So you've got to get these kids out to play a game and get them back pretty quick. So we only had really a day in Boise. And I wanted to go see the, the stadium and the, the Hall of Fame area they created there. And, and I realized as we got there, well, I need to go see Tim Durier. Tim's an assistant coach with Boise. He, uh, for three years, was the head coach at Utah State, spent 17 years in Logan, Utah, with some really good success there. But going way back, Tim was a member of the 1988 North Texas basketball team, the first team that ever went to the NCAA tournament. And then he was an assistant with Tim Jankovic here at North Texas. So the coach that took North Texas into the Big West was Jankovic, and Tim was his top assistant so I've known him since way, way back, and, and we got a chance to visit and kind of laugh about that. But um, that was a different time for North Texas basketball. Travel was infinitely different back then. And, uh, and to see Boise grow to where it is now and to have the support it has, that was a really, really interesting uh, look back in time. And it was great to catch up with Tim, quite frankly. A lot of – Late games, I imagine, on the radio. Yeah, late, it, late for Central Time. I mean, it would have been like a six, a seven o'clock West Coast game, but uh, yeah. And, and here's the problem: back then, everyone relied on the newspaper to get their news the next day. People weren't holding the phone in their hand, and you didn't have instant access. And so we would play these games and miss the deadline. Most deadlines for the Dallas Morning News, the Fort Worth Star Telegram, midnight. Well, our games weren't getting over until well past that, so it was almost time out of mind 
hopefully, you know, the radio broadcast was the one thing that people could hang their hat on. Um, but it was a different time. Travel was, was very interesting. And, and, you know, that trip was always a tandem of you would play the University of Idaho in Moscow, and then you would play Boise in, in Boise. Other trips were to Nevada and Utah State. Um, difficult travel. And, yeah. and again, like I said, the, the time change made it very problematic. But um, interesting to go back, see it, and remember those days, and, and to know how far we've come as an athletic department. Speaking of how far we've come, uh, we'll, we'll do a quick little uh, run here at uh, what's going on in the present day for Mean Green Basketball. I mean, both teams, like we mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, we're getting close to the one-third mark of the season. Um, men's basketball uh, off to a good start. Uh, women's basketball is sitting at 8-1, and one, so I guess we'll kind of pick each other's brains about the other teams since I'm the women's guy and you're the men's guy. Well, you've got to really enjoy what's going on. This has been a big gear shift in terms of offense mm-hmm. and firepower. Yeah. And I know uh, the other day they had the annual uh, kids game against a good Pine Bluff team, yeah. a team that maybe people didn't really – uh, respect enough. I know the coach did. Uh, yes. But yeah, you're off to a great start. How fun has it been being with those ladies? It's been awesome. I mean, it, it's just the 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 culture that's around that team, the way Jason Burton his his coaching style and what he lends himself to and what he does. It's just it's been so much fun. And to to have them off to an eight and one start, and you, you see the team really rallying behind him and rallying around each other, and you know we, we've been on a, a couple road trips so far this year, and it's just this very real lively mood, and everyone's happy to be there and happy involved in basketball, and you know it's it's been a lot of fun to to really kind of watch that firsthand, and you know it's it's the best start for a Mean Green team since. The 2000-2001 team started 8-0. I mean, we're 8-1. That's the second-best start behind them. And, you know, I, if this coming Saturday, two days from what you record, we've got Alcorn State coming into town. And if you win that game, that's the best start for any Mean Green team outside of a perfect 1,000 winning percentage. 900 would be the best if they take down that Alcorn State team. So, um it's been a lot of fun. You got a lot of contributors. You got Desiree Colonel. You've got Jocelyn Moore. And I think that's the biggest thing, too, that has been, you know, you've you've always had your star players and you're always going to have your star players. But it's just like the 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 role players. When when someone is having an off night, maybe the the shot's not falling for Jocelyn Moore or or Misha Lampin gets into foul trouble or whatever it might be. You have someone down the roster who steps up and fills that gap. And I think the the most impressive thing for me in this this Pine Bluff game against what's a, what was a really good Pine Bluff team is you had Shadasia Bracken. She's the only true freshman on the team. She only plays for a minute and 40 seconds, but Lampkin, Misha Lampkin had fouled out. Desiree Colonel had four fouls, and we needed a stop. And so Jason Burton said, okay, true freshman, go in there, get us a couple defensive stops. We were a plus six in the minute 40 she was on the court because she got two critical steals in crunch time. So it's just – it's things like that that are really, you know, charging this team ahead. Boy, and those are – Big confidence builders. <clears throat> As you look at the basketball season, it's three and one. You have the non-con, you've got the regular season, then you have the postseason. So you're planting seeds right now. Yeah. 
And I think that's what Ross Hodge is getting done with the men. You look at the losses. The losses are to really good teams with very high net rankings. Boise was disappointing, but, you know, in the Boise game, uh, North Texas was right there all night. Boise's a team that they had played teams that were all in the top 80 in terms of net ranking. Boise is a lot like North Texas, a team that nobody wants to play. They can't get home games. They're, they're good enough that – they can't get anyone to play. It was a lot like the Northern Iowa game where you get two teams that have arrived, but they haven't really arrived in terms of being able to dominate what their schedule needs to look like. So um, I think Ross has done a great job. Um, that Boise game, it spoke to what you've got to be ready to overcome. Reuben Jones gets in foul trouble. Aaron Scott gets in foul trouble. They both get DQ'd before the end. And really when they were both out, that's when Boise took advantage and went on an 11-0 run to finish the game out. But I'm not worried about this team. I feel like the tough losses are going to pay dividends. As we record this, we'll be heading out to play Fordham in the Bronx, um, going to be at the Barclays. That's a big deal for these kids yeah. to play in an NBA arena. And uh, I don't know when this will air, but who knows what happens in that game. You move ahead, you've got a trip to Tupelo, Mississippi to play Mississippi State. I, I think the Mean Green men are going through the rigors of games that will make them a better team in an improved conference, the American, and uh, really, really enjoy the eight-man rotation that he's got now. Can you introduce some new guys to that and go 10 deep? Maybe. Maybe you can. But right now, I feel like the newcomers to this team, Robert Allen, Nolan, really good contributors, and uh, and the best is yet to come, I think, for Mean Green Basketball. Well, there you go. A lot to look forward to here as uh, we continue – uh, along the season. Special thanks to Joel. That was a really fun conversation. Not often you get to talk to a World Series champion, too. Nope, that was great. So. That was great. And we wish everyone uh, the best of this holiday season, whether you're celebrating Christmas or, or, or whatever. It, hopefully uh, everyone has a really good time before we record episode number 24. 24. Yeah. How about that? Almost to a quarter of 100. We're yep. getting close. Yep. So, well, there you go. Well, that'll do it for another episode of GMG Cast. Of course, uh, powered by Learfield, brought to you by Coors Light, as always. If you have not hit that like and subscribe button, please be sure to do so. For my broadcast partner, Hank Dickinson, this is Zach Babb, signing off for now. Go Mean Green.